I absolutely love this day in the life of the church. It's Pentecost Sunday where we remember that Christ has not left us, but as was promised in John 14, the Father would send the Holy Spirit, that God would always be with us and God will always keep his promises. But also it's Confirmation Sunday, which is a great reminder to the church. This is why we exist. We exist to make disciples. So it's a wonderful day in the life of the church. And listen, as part of Pentecost Sunday and it being the church's birthday, as part of this being Confirmation Sunday, being born again, and in in some sense your birthday is Confirmands, I'm going to give everybody a present. I've cut the sermon from three points to one point. You're welcome. Happy birthday. All right. Now you come back next year to Pentecost. I got two more points I want to get in. So if you're getting a break today, you come back in 2022. Somebody, Somebody were to ask you, what makes a Christian? Who is a Christian? What would you say? We've talked a lot about that, Ms. Renee, and the mentors and the other teachers and leaders with this class. What what makes a Christian? Who is a Christian? There are many words you could talk about, about what it means to follow Christ. What does it mean to repent of your sins? What does it mean to be filled by the Holy Spirit? There's all kinds of things that we could talk about that is a Christian and a Christian is supposed to do. But as we look to the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday in Romans chapter 8, there's a great reminder here for what the Christian is to have. And I pray it's a good word for you as confirmants, but really for all of us. This is Paul talking to the church and saying, here's what you can be and here's what you can have through Christ. Now remember it comes through Christ as Linda rightly prayed through his death and resurrection. Chapter 8, 1 starts with there's just no more condemnation. Because of what's happened in Christ, through Christ, we are no longer under condemnation because of what he's done for us. And so what is it a Christian can have and enjoy? And here we see this picture, verse 15, that God wants children. This reminder to us that there's so much to our faith, following Christ, repenting of our sins, but to be reminded again that at the heart of it is relationship. That God wants you and he wants to walk with you throughout your whole life and then throughout all eternity. He wants you as his children. And listen, there's a temptation for them to go back to slavery. Now Romans 6 has said to them rightly and has said to us, we were all dead in sin. The wages of sin is death. And Romans has said rightly, we were all even slaves to sin. But because of what Christ has won for us, you and I no longer are to be slaves, but God desires relationship, intimacy, a family. Verse 15, it reminds us that there may be a tendency to want to step back and just say, God, I know you love me in Jesus, but, but I'll just wait to eternity for you to really love me because I'm, I'm just me. Look at me. You've been there? I've been there. And Paul's saying to this church, don't you shrink back into fear. Don't you shrink back into slavery. Christ has set you free, and he wants a relationship with you right now. Not just someday, but right now. And it's only out of relationship with him we can be who he's called us to be. And I love how Paul says it to these folks in Rome, but he says it to us as well. Uh, He reminds them that they have been adopted 
into God's family. You want to get the preacher crying? Let me watch a, vi- a, a YouTube video of military folks coming home from serving our country or watch young children ask a stepdad or a stepmom to adopt them. I'll lose it, and I will not watch those videos with you. That's what Paul is saying here. You've been asked in. Because of what Christ has done for you, what Christ has done for us, we are now part of the very family of God. There aren't many famous Methodist preachers, but I love one in the last hundred years, the most famous seminary professor on preaching, or probably the best Methodist preacher, was trying to get away, take a weekend away, had gone up to Tennessee for vacation, found a nice place to eat outside of Pigeon Forge or somewhere in that area, and, uh, or somewhere in East Tennessee. <laughs> As soon as he sat down, somebody came over and pestered him. This kind of older gentleman, and he had watched this guy. This guy had been going from table to table talking to people, and he's just like, please don't come to my table. Please don't. Hi, how are you doing? And he came to the table. And when he came down, he says, hey, just wanted to say hi to you. Where are you guys from? And they said where they were from. What do you do? And I got to tell him I'm a preacher. I am a preacher, and I teach preaching. Oh, have I got a story for you. How many times had this professor heard that when he told them that he taught preaching to different people? He says, I want to tell you a story. A kid who grew up just on that mountain over there. This kid grew up, and listen, just with he and his mom, they didn't know who the dad was, and he grew up his whole life and felt awkward because he was in this small town, and people would sometimes ask him, who, who is your father? And he just kind of didn't want to answer that. And, and, and that happened as he was growing up and just kind of shied away from seeing new people as they would ask what family you're a part of. And he struggled with that. And matter of fact, it even happened in his own church. He was nervous about that. About the age of 10 or so, uh, he went to church and there's a brand new preacher. And he knew that if he goes down out the back and sees the preacher, uh, that, that the preacher will ask him, who's your family? He didn't want to bring up that conversation. So he used to sneak out the back. But one day the preacher snuck out the back too and caught him. Says, I've seen you before. Now I don't know whose family you're a part of. And there his heart sunk. Oh, I've got to tell uh, the story. And before he could do that, the preacher looked at his eyes and saw there was something going on and saw all this all these people around him kind of in hushed silence. What's going to happen here? And the preacher says, wait a minute. I know who your father is. I see the resemblance in your eyes. You're a child of the father, aren't you? You're one of his kids. You're a part of the family of God. And the heavenly father is, is, is over you. He's your father, isn't he? And that kid's face just beamed. He wasn't embarrassed in front of other people, but then to to be reminded again that he's been adopted into the family of God. And so that man told that story to that preacher, and he got up and says, thought you might enjoy that. And he walked away, but then he turned around and he said to that preacher, I want you to know, when that preacher said that to me at the age of 10, it changed my life. And I've never been the same. A few minutes later, the waitress comes by the table to get their order, and the preacher looked up at the waiter and says, listen, you got to tell me, who's that guy? I know you know him because he's talked to everybody here. Who's that guy? Oh, you don't know uh, Governor Ben Hooper of Tennessee? (laughs) A life changed because we know that in Christ, we have been adopted by God. God desires that kind of relationship, and by that kind of relationship, we can cry out even to God Almighty, Father, Abba. 
And it's a term you see throughout Jesus' public ministry. You see him use that term in prayer when he's talking about his father over and over again. Matter of fact, it's a term that, that, that is still used today. And it's a sweet term. It actually means papa or daddy. Now think about that. In the most horrific of situations for Jesus Christ, as he's taking on the sins of, of, of that are from us so he can die for them on his cross. Even in that moment, even in that moment, Luke reports in Luke 23, 34, that Jesus said, Dad, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Or in Luke 23, 46, Papa, it's into your hands that I commend my spirit. The ancient church father, Ambrose Astor, wrote this, we have received such grace that we can dare say to God, Abba, Father. And we don't want to miss that today. That's what Paul is sharing with this church in Rome who really needs this word. They're going to need it. We'll talk about this next year. They're going to need it for the years to come because it's going to be a tough thing to be a Christian in Rome pretty soon. But he's reminding them here in verse 16 and in verse 15 that they've been adopted by God into his family. You know what tomorrow is, by the way? I ought to test you on this, confirmands. Tomorrow's May 24th. It's Aldersgate Day. And in Methodism, it's the time where our forefather, John Wesley, had a moment. He had gone to a Bible study, didn't want to go to a Bible study, but he went anyway. And just like Romans 8 says, when it promises us that God's Spirit will testify to our spirit that we are his, John Wesley had an experience where his heart was strangely warmed. I love what he wrote about that. He said, I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. You know what John Wesley talked about more than any other thing? Assurance of faith. I know from God's word that he loves me and that I'm his, but I just know because God tells me all the time through his spirit that I am his. That's our prayer for you. It's a lot of prayers we have for you guys today. It's a lot of prayers that I have for all of us. But I'd pray we'd rest in that because, as it did with Governor Hooper, it makes all the difference to know that through Christ, we are God's children. It changes how we live. It changes how we serve. It changes how we give. It changes how we speak. What a great gift from God to let us know that. And what a great gift as well, church, that we go about affirming that, not just with our confirmands, but with our families with those that we meet. God's love for you today is so strong. Did you know that's what the word confirm means? It's two words put together that means with firmness. And what we're reminded here in Romans chapter 8 is God loves you strongly. His love for you will not break. And not only does he want you to know know that through his word, but even through his spirit, that you are his child. And I pray all of us know that today. But also today is the day when you get to say that back to God. You get to say to him with firmness, I am making my vow before you that I take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I will not break. I am for you. Praise God for this word. 
that on Pentecost Sunday we can celebrate the gift of his Holy Spirit who wants to speak to us into our hearts to remind us again that we are his. We don't have to shrink back to a life of slavery or fear, but let's walk into the fullness of that, that God is with us and for us. But let us also be reminded on Confirmation Sunday to keep our vows that as God's love will not break, we will also stand firm in our commitment to Christ. Amen? Amen. Renee?